Hi, my name is Andy Chamberlain. I'm a writer and creative writing tutor, and you are listening to the Creative Writers Toolbelt, the podcast that gives you practical, accessible advice that you can apply straight away to your own writing. And welcome to episode 75 of the Creative Writers Toolbelt. Have you ever read a piece of prose and found yourself just carried away with the beauty and rhythm of the words? Have you ever found that a potentially difficult concept, a challenging piece of imagery, or the very subtle thinking of a character have all been made that much clearer and easier to understand because of the way the writer has presented their story? If you have, then it's likely that you've been reading a piece of work that has great style. Now in episode 73, we talked about tone, style and voice. And in this episode, I want to focus on the concept of style in writing. And as ever, I'll be using examples and I'll try and make this as practical as possible. And I want to start with a quick recap on what I mean by style. And then we'll move on to have a look at three particular elements of style. And they are clarity, brevity and precision. So let's begin with a very quick recap on what I said last time about style. In that episode, I contrasted style with voice, and I suggested that whilst voice is personal to the writer, style is in fact a more impersonal thing. And that's not in any way meant to be a negative comment about style. Rather, it reflects the fact that style is a term which describes a way of writing, a particular way in which content can be expressed. And it can be shared by a number of people. For example, there might be a house style to a particular journal or a newspaper or a blog or even maybe a series of books. And that can be reflected in features like sentence length, casual or formal language, even choices about tense and points of view and person. One of the examples I cited was from the current affairs magazine, The Economist. This magazine has its own style guide to help its writers understand the approach that they should take when they're writing an Economist article. The style guide includes pieces of advice like, write as anyone would speak in common conversation. Use the language of everyday speech, not of spokespeople or lawyers or bureaucrats. Pomposity and long-windedness tend to obscure meaning or reveal the lack of it. Strip them away in favour of plain words. Don't be hectoring or arrogant. When you express opinions, do not simply make assertions. Aim is not to tell readers what you think, but to persuade them. Now, we also looked at some of the rules for effective writing that the English writer George Orwell presented in his 1946 essay, Politics and the English Language. In that essay, Orwell offered this advice. Never use a metaphor, simile or other figure of speech which you are used to seeing in print. Never use a long word where a short one will do. If possible, cut out a word. And never use the passive when you can use the active. And never use a foreign phrase, a scientific word or jargon word if you can think of an everyday English equivalent. Now, if you're left a little bit confused by this reference to never use the passive when you can use the active, I'll be going over that in a little bit of detail in this podcast. But I also recommend that you check out episode nine where I examine this concept in a bit more detail. Now, it's also useful to look at what people who work in the publishing business now have to say about style. The agent Noah Lukeman makes these observations about style in his book, The First Five Pages. First of all, he says this, when handled well, style can add a new dimension to the text. It can go so far as to advance the overall message of the text. So style, when handled well, works with the content of what is being said, not against it. The style of a piece of writing should not draw attention to itself. Rather, it should assist and promote the reader in engaging with the content rather than distracting them or obscuring what that content is. 
Lukeman goes on to describe some of the symptoms of poor style. He says this, the writing is too noticeable. It gets in the way. It reaches the point where it even impedes your getting involved in the story. So for Lukeman, the place of style is quite clear. Again, to quote him, like a slave, style should always serve the story itself. Now in his book, Write in Style, Richard Palmer quotes the philosopher Blaise Pascal, who said this about a reader's reaction to good style. When we see a natural style, we're astonished and delighted, for we expected to see an author, and we find a man. We can, of course, swap the word man for person, or indeed woman. The point is that Pascal is right. When we see style that works, that is sympathetic to the content, and which is working with and complementing the meaning of the writing, we are drawn to that writing. We understand more easily and more fully what the writer has to say. And we even have a bond with them and empathy with them. And this is what the best application of style can achieve. Palmer goes on to comment on the fact that this natural style, to use Pascal's words, which make the writing engrossing and which seem so easy, actually require a lot of work. Palmer quotes the British playwright and novelist Somerset Maugham, who says this, A good style should show no sign of effort. What is written should seem a happy accident. Suffice it to say, reaching this state in your writing is no happy accident at all. It requires a lot of hard work. Great writing, like all great art, appears effortless. It is clear and compelling and seems to contain within it a natural rhythm that carries the reader along, supporting their understanding of what they're reading. So how can we achieve this natural style? Well, I think there are some clues in the way that the same themes come up again and again in the advice that's out there. And those themes, to me, seem to be writing that has great style is clear and succinct. And also, when a piece of writing has great style, it points towards the meaning of the writing rather than distracting from it or obscuring it. And I want to explore these themes further by looking at three related aspects of style, and they are clarity, brevity, and precision. Now, at first, these words seem to sound like they're all saying the same thing or almost the same thing, but they are subtly different. Clarity is about being clear in the meaning of what you're saying. Brevity is about saying only that which you need to say. And precision is about using exactly the right words to say what you need to say. To summarise that, say what you mean, say only what you mean, and use the right words to say it. So let's explore each of these aspects individually with examples so that we can understand better what they mean. First of all, clarity, which means being clear about what you want to say. Writing in the New York Times, the American author E.B. White said this, The main thing I try to do is to write as clearly as I can. I rewrite a good deal to make it clear. Now this guy wrote classics like Charlotte's Web and Stuart Little, so he knows what he's talking about. And he is also one half of the famous Strunk and White writing partnership who wrote the book Elements of Style, which if you haven't got a copy, I suggest you do get. So time making sure that what you are saying is clear is time well spent. And this insight apply both to fiction and to non-fiction. As an example of this, consider the first couple of paragraphs of George Orwell's classic tale, 1984. This is what they say. It was a bright cold day in April and the clocks were striking 13. Winston Smith, his chin nuzzled into his breast in an effort to escape the vile wind, slipped quickly through the glass doors of Victory Mansions, though not quickly enough to prevent a swirl of gritty dust from entering along with him. 
The hallway smelt of boiled cabbage and old rag mats. At one end of it, a coloured poster, too large for indoor display, had been tacked to the wall. It depicted simply an enormous face, more than a metre wide. The face of a man of about 45, with a heavy black moustache and ruggedly handsome features. Winston made for the stairs. It was no use trying the lift. Even at the best of times it was seldom working, and at present the electric current was cut off during daylight hours. It was part of the economy drive in preparation for hate week. The flat was seven flights up, and Winston, who was 39 and had a varicose ulcer above his right ankle, went slowly, resting several times on the way. On each landing, opposite the lift shaft, the poster with the enormous face gazed from the wall. It was one of those pictures which are so contrived that the eyes follow you about when you move. Big Brother is watching you, the caption beneath it ran. And so, in just over 200 words, Orwell has presented us with a vivid sense of the environment, natural and political, and with a sense of otherworldliness, clock striking 13. And what is this hate week he was talking about? And he's also presented us with our protagonist. Now, we could analyse this passage to quite some detail, but the point I want to make here is about Orwell's language, his style. He has presented these opening paragraphs very simply, using straightforward sentences, none of which contain jargon or elaborate wording. Even from these few words, we can see that there is clarity in Orwell's prose. If you continue to read Orwell's books, you'll see how Orwell has managed to use simple sentence construction and clear wording to bring clarity to his story. And he hasn't shied away from using adjectives. There is the vile wind, for example, or aspects of detail, like the varicose ulcer in Winston's ankle. This is not a summary, but it is clear. He has used simple language and simple sentence construction to achieve clarity in his work. So now let's move on to brevity. Brevity is about saying only what you need to say, being concise in your language. Now, the writer Ernest Hemingway was a master of the art of brevity in prose. And, commenting on the merit of brevity, he said this. It wasn't by accident that the Gettysburg Address was so short. The laws of prose writing are as immutable as those of flight, of mathematics, of physics. Hemingway considered brevity and concision to be fundamental to writing, and this showed in his work. Consider the first line of Hemingway's novel, The Old Man and the Sea, which I've quoted a number of times in this podcast. It simply says this. He was an old man who fished alone in a skiff in the Gulf Stream, and he had gone 84 days now without taking a fish. Now, this is the first sentence of the book, and first sentences should have impact. And I think that although it is very simply constructed, this sentence does have impact. It is brief and concise, and it tells us exactly who the protagonist is, and what the setting is, and what their circumstances are. And it does all of this in just 26 words. Brevity gets to the point, but as we see in this case, it also supports the content and the mood and the setting of the story. The spare, blunt tone befits the story of a man who has indeed gone 84 days and hasn't caught a fish. And that brings us to the third aspect of style that we want to focus on in this podcast, and that is precision. This is about using the right words. Now, choosing the right words, like deciding what you actually want to say, requires some work. But there are a few techniques which can help to deliver the kind of precision that leads to great style. 
The best summary of these techniques that I've found is actually on a website called dailywritingtips.com, which has a short article called 10 Techniques for More Precise Writing. And there are some real gems in there. I recommend that you look it up. It does, for example, talk about using the active voice rather than the passive voice where possible, something that we touched on earlier in this podcast. Now, I considered the issue of the active voice in some detail in episode nine. Listen to that episode if you haven't already done so. For now, here's a summary of what I said on the subject. Understand the active and passive voice and why it's usually better to use the active voice. First, think of a sentence in terms of three components, the verb, the agent and the patient. Now, here are definitions of those terms. In a sentence, the agent is the thing that's doing the action or initiates something. The verb describes what's being done and the patient is on the receiving end of what the agent does. So consider this simple sentence, the cat sat on the mat. Here, the cat is doing something, so it is the agent. And the thing it's doing is it's sitting, so the verb is to sit. And the mat is the patient, that is the thing upon which the action is being taken. Here's another example, the girl is reading the book. The girl is the agent, to read is the verb, and the book is the patient. In a sentence, the active voice emphasizes the agent, whereas the passive voice emphasizes the patient. So for example, in the sentence, the cat sat on the mat, the agent, the cat is doing the action, it's sitting on the mat. The girl is reading the book, the agent, the girl is doing the reading of the book. Or indeed in this sentence, the dog jumps over the stick. The dog, the agent, jumps the verb over the stick, which is in this case the patient. But we could reorganize that sentence so that it's read like this. The stick was jumped over by the dog. So now it's the stick which is being linked to the verb. And because of this, the sentence is in the passive voice. Let me give you some other examples of sentences which are in the passive voice. A decision was reached by the committee. Now here, the patient, the decision, is linked to the verb, was reached or to reach. We can change that sentence round so it's in the active voice. And instead of sounding like this, a decision was reached by the committee, it would sound like this, the committee reached a decision. I hope that you can hear how the style is clearer and more natural, the rhythm works better and it's more precise when the active voice is used. And you can check out episode nine of the podcast for a fuller description of the active and passive voice. Another thing to do to make your style more precise is to avoid vague nouns and phrases that we all find ourselves using to join clauses together. And these can usually be removed with a bit of editing. So consider this sentence. The gardener opened the shed in order that we might obtain the tools we need to do the weeding. Now this is the kind of first draft sentence that we all end up writing and it has vague baggy words in it. Here's a more precise version. The gardener opened the shed and we took the tools we would need to do the weeding. Now what we've done here is replace six words with three words. So the words in order that we might obtain have been replaced with and we took. Another technique to assist with precision in your writing is to look for simple words that can replace phrases or more complex words. So think about this sentence. The staff were afforded a seasonal emolument during the Yuletide celebrations. Now what that's actually saying is, 
the staff got a tip at Christmas. And finally, again on the subject of verbs, think about using active, positive verbs instead of weak verbs that need to be propped up by an adverb. So, for example, use the word run instead of walked quickly. Use a word like grabbed instead of took forcefully. And use a word like whisper instead of speak quietly. You can find a more detailed look at the benefit of using active verbs and the active voice in episode 9 of the podcast. So those are the benefits of using clarity, brevity and precision in the quest for excellent style. But before we sum up these insights, I want to just deal with one wrong conclusion that any of us can easily come to when we're thinking about these things. You might think from all of this talk of brevity and only using the right words and only saying the thing that you mean, that style relies on using as few a number of words as possible or that it's best to use a kind of minimalist style. But this is not true. Good style is not based on using as few a number of words as possible, and neither is it based on using only simple words. It's based on using the right words, and it's based on saying what you want to say, no more and no less. The emphasis on brevity and precision comes from the fact that as writers we can very often use too many words, especially in our first draft, because we're still trying to work out what we want to say, and we're still trying to work out what words we need to say it. So let's sum up with some conclusions about what we need to do to develop really good style. First of all, there are two points from episode 73 that are worth repeating. One, know who you're writing for. If you're writing for a particular journal or in a certain genre or for a, a particular blog, for example, it's a very good idea to read examples from that area so that you can pick up the sense of the style that readers expect. Second point, use a style that supports and complements the content of the story rather than obscuring it. Good style supports the story and makes its content clear. It doesn't obscure it and it doesn't take away attention from it. Now, in this episode, we've looked at clarity, brevity and precision as elements of style. So the third point to take away is about clarity. Clarity is knowing what you're going to say. Use both language and sentence construction to present your content clearly to the reader. That means that where possible, we need to use simple language, we need to present our sentences simply, and we need to develop a very clear idea of what we want to say. Point four is about brevity. And brevity is saying only what you need to say. And brevity, like clarity, relies on the author knowing what they want to say. In this case, it doesn't mean summary, but it does mean that you only say what you want to say. To exercise brevity, decide what you want to say and edit your work until you have just that. Point five, precision, which is about using the right words. And we've discussed some of the techniques to facilitate this, including using active positive verbs that don't need an adverb to support them, removing vague words and phrases, and using the active voice to connect the verb to the agent, and also using simple words instead of complex words or phrases. So that's it for this episode. I hope all of this has been useful to you. Today I have quoted from the following works. The Economist Style Guide from The Economist, The Essay Politics and the English Language by George Orwell, 1984, also by George Orwell, published by Penguin Modern Classics, The First Five Pages by Noah Lukeman, published by Oxford University Press, Write in Style by Richard Palmer, published by Routledge, and The Old Man and the Sea by Ernest Hemingway, published by Arrow. I have also quoted from E.B. White, writing in the New York Times, 
and from the article 10 Techniques for More Precise Writing, which you can find on the website dailywritingtips.com. I'll get some show notes on this episode up on Pinterest. We do also have a group on Goodreads. Please go there. It's goodreads.com and look up the Creative Writers Tool Belt. Uh, You can find more about me at my website, andrewjchamberlain.com. And please do drop me a line. Tell me how your writing's going. Tell me what projects you're working on. Andrew at andrewjchamberlain.com. That's it for now. I hope you found this useful. So until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye.